This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, so um, we're starting our trip in Ashkenaz in Germany. The, unfortunately, because of the recent history, um, we've forgotten that Klal Yisrael lived in Germany f- for an incredible amount of time. Um, you know, they, they always have these in the year 300, 400, but Tachlis, it, it's well over a thousand years. And a tremendous chalak of Torah was developed in Germany. Um, it, it's, it's one of the Amudim of Torah was invented in Germany, it was developed in Germany. And so, instead of focusing on the bad things that happened, and there were many bad things way before the Holocaust, there was a, a tremendous amount of Torah that developed specifically in Ashkenaz. Ashkenaz is central Europe. In those days, like we always say, there was no such thing as a country. There were a lot of duchies and a lot of quasi um, countries. And, and Ashkenaz is, the, is, is central Europe. And for the longest of times, this was where most of it, where a lot of Torah was. We're actually going in reverse order. The first layer of Torah that we can put a finger on is the development from in the men's Kehillahs and Shum and Kehillahshum, Rabbeinu Gershom, his base Medrash, Rashi, etc. Um, that was all centered around the Kehillahshum. These were Kehillahs around the Rhine River, the Rhine River like, like all rivers, was an important commercial artery, and the Melech Hill is developed there. And this is really the foundation for a lot of the Pirush, Rabbeinu Gershon, Beis Medrash, and we'll speak about it when we get there. They developed the Pirush on Shas, that developed the Interashi, and that was one whole phase. Um, you had the Crusaders put, a tri- put an end in a certain sense to that phase. It came back again. Uh, in Ashkenaz, and then we have, um, so they've been on and off, but then another important Kufa was like the Kufa de Maril, which was quite a bit later, was like 1300s and 1400s, the Maril and his base Medrash, we'll speak about that when we get to, when we get to Mainz, that's another important part of Torah. We then have um, in Frankfurt, which was um, at one time, probably the biggest Jewish uh, city in, in Europe. And it had people like the Pnei Yeshua. It had people um, like Dafla, which, again, we'll speak. The, that's, a, that's the next Kufa. And Hamburg has its own special Yichud because of Yerim Saibashitz and Arke Emdin. And the there was there. That was a, a, uh, another, another phase there was not really a full phase, there was just an event so traumatic in Kalyasol's history that it merits its own you know, discussion and we'll be going to Hamburg from here. And finally, Berlin. In Berlin, Yiddishkeit came late. The city itself wasn't a big city, wasn't a terribly important city. It developed later and it developed L'Chathchila as a modern city and the Yiddishkeit as well. It was always a city that struggled with it it wasn't it, now. The last phase in German Yiddishkeit came 
the 1700s brought about the revolution. Revolution, I mean, it, it was a revolution in, 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 um, in the world. The idea that authority is, is central to people's lives began to collapse. Kings, popes, clergy, church, beliefs, the 1700s saw that swept away. Rationalism, um, egalitarianism, um, etc., became dominant motives, whether it's the French Revolution, the American Revolution, the, the, everything. It, it changed dramatically, and it affected um, Jewry as well, as we'll see in a minute, and it brought about a tremendous challenge. Um, considering the fact who the people, who the kings were in those days, it wasn't all bad. Getting rid of a lot of them wasn't all that bad, but what took its place was in many ways terrible. So this challenge started in Berlin, specifically to Klal Yisrael. It took a terrible toll, a devastating toll. And I think like all diseases, when you get cured, you develop a certain immunity. And we also developed Taira that was able to counter that. So in Berlin, the late 1700s, there lived a person named Moshe Mendelssohn. And he is, I think when we pass by the grave, not gonna put in Kvitlach, but, but I'll compare him, the, the, it will be a, a site. And this was very typical. And, and it's very, the reason why people have a hard time, they debate, was Mendelssohn from, not from, and so on. I think people try to take our own way of looking at things and boxing in other people. To us, a Yid who's medactic and Chol Yisrael and Yoshin and Pas Yisrael and Torsin, whatever else you want, um, and Gebrucht has to be an extreme, he's, he's somebody who believes in HaKadosh Baruch and Torah and the Satna Rebbe, like, like, like you know, all the above. The idea that a person could basically be kind of a free thinker and yet be so committed for different reasons um, is alien to us. We, we don't have that paradigm. And that's why people keep talking, yes, no, no, yes. They try, they try to, I think they try to dress up contemporary pictures and, and, and fit, fit the foot in the shoe. None of our shoes fit it. So let's understand what happened and what was really, what was really going on. Um, what was happening was the Jews were animals. They had to come into the city gate in Mendelssohn's times through the same gate that animals could be brought in and pay the same tax animals paid. That was the Jew. So you were good for nothing. Forget about, forget about the various kufis when you had um, pogroms and stuff like that. But it's just saying you were considered to be the dirt, the bad, the evil, the, and so on. This was the Catholic and then Protestant uh, took, uh, didn't, didn't, didn't like, they weren't followed Judaism for very long. They, they became Jew haters as well. And this is who we were. So as long as there were two worlds with a wall in between, and this is them, this is us, the ghetto is there. So there was no real reason to want to be like that. The minute the wall collapsed, so people who were successful business people, they didn't just want to make money. There's a world outside. They wanted people to recognize them as mention, as Hashva people. 
So all of a sudden, um, I, I now want to be considered somebody. I'm, my mindset is a mindset of the world around me. And it's not the ideas per se that were so um, enticing. It was the sense of being normal, of being part and parcel of the world. It's not normal to be so different. So in Berlin, as things started changing and people, opportunities opened up, so somebody like Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn grew up as a from person. He learned with the carbon Ada. If anyone knows Yerushalmi, there's Pei Moshe, Carbon Ada, Reb David Frankel was his Rebbe. Reb David Frankel took on, the, it was in Poland, they were born in Poland, he took on the Rabbonus in, in Berlin. He took on the Rabbonus Berlin, came along with him. He couldn't, he wasn't allowed to live here in Mendelssohn because he was, uh, you know, only Jews that had a special reason for living could live, could have the privilege of living here. And um, you should appreciate it. We could just walk in and they had to be somebody important to live here. So he sat in the attic and he learned. He was a big masmid. He learned. His Rebbe got into more Nebuchim. He, he was hunchback because he sit and bent over his farm all the time and learning. He was, a, he, was a, he was a nerdy person, sat and learned and so on. He began to learn philosophy and other things and he started becoming, he interacted with the world around. And, and he became part and parcel of society, even though, even though at some time when he was recognized as a great personality, he was also forced to go into, he went to Dresden and he forced to go into the gate with the animals and then the, the, towns, the town council found out about it, they were horrified, they apologized to him, but that was the matzah. So his own, his, his mindset and the mindset of people like him was to be accepted in society think like those people, act like those people, look like those people. <laughs> if religion got in the way, then religion's got to give way. But that was the, the psychological drive. And it's important to understand it. Let's explain. So he himself was 100% observant at home. And that's where all these stories come from. He was. Um, his, he entertained at home all sorts of people. Uh, of society ranging from to Galach and to everybody. He was very at home with them. They respected his intellect. He enjoyed that interaction. But his home was, Shmir's Mitzvah was 100%. Deus and Shittas were very, very um, not considered to be set. And his own, he expressed his philosophy um, in a book that he wrote to answer against him and basically it's called Yushalayim and basically the point of it was there are two, there are two layers of, of obligation for a person man to Hashem and man to society and ritual Judaism the things you're supposed to do and the things that you know the halachas that's Torah <coughs> Your attitude towards people, your interactions, your beliefs, and so on and so forth, that's society. And, and you sense that that was really the issue. The issue was, and they would quote him, and again, it's hard to know these quotes, whether he wrote or not, but, be a Jew in your tent, and a man when, when you go out, a human being. In other words, be socially accepted outside, 
and become and be a Jew on the inside. That was that bifurcation. So in his own family life, he had very set on Haggis. Belief was open. And that's why all of his children, many of them, many of his children, Shmad, um, became Fry. Nothing from was left. Uh, the famous um, Mendelssohn, the, 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 the famous music, Felix Mendelssohn, was, was, was composer, was, was a grandson of his. And Goy, Gomer, not, I don't know halachically, my PhD, but, but Tachlis, converted, Shemant, all of them. And, and it had to do with that attitude a tremendous eagerness to be embraced by the world, a tremendous understanding that the only way to make it is by being like other people. It drove another thing, and I think it's important to point it out. When everyone, there's a famous yeshivisha joke, if you found out you're a goy, what would you do first? So, there's stuff that's not repeatable, but, but it, it, one lets in the me yeshiva said, he would tie his right shoe first. <laughs> that, that was his, 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 you know, everyone's got th- their issues. The reform movement, the stuff, what were the, what were the things that bothered about Yiddishkeit? That the bima should be up front, that the, um, the, uh, there should be an organ, the rabbi should wear a gown, they should move Shabbos to Sunday. What's the common denominator? What? Christian. Christian. A, a normal religion has the cant of facing everybody. That's a normal religion. A normal religion observes Sunday, not Saturday, not Pitam Saturday. Sunday is the day you observe. Um, it, 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 it was a very, very, it was driven by the desire so that we're just another version of Christianity because that's socially acceptable. It also meant that the shul should be clean, there should be things like that. But tachlis, the reforms were all centered around then take out mentions of Mashiach and Yerushalayim from, from uh, the sitter because it shows you're not a loyal, what does it mean? If I'm a loyal German citizen, why do I want to make Aliyah for? It's, 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 you know, it's, why? The answer is, so take, take that out. I, I'm, I'm German. I have a particular nature. My religious belief has a particular nature. That was the driving uh, emotional component of, um, of that movement. Someone told me, I like repeating this because I think it's a, it's a big emiss. I was once sitting at a schasna, and there were two people there. There was an old Hungarian Yid who had gone through the Holocaust, came to America, became a successful businessman, a Hamish person, but successful, a lot of business stuff. The other guy was a young guy who grew up in, 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 the, in the West Side, went to Yeshiva's Lakewood Fellow, Yeshiva Shabalabas, and you know, really still Isaac Altenteri, but doing a lot of things. So the old, the old man told this young fellow, he says, Shleimala, let me tell you this to me and you. Mashiach is going to come suddenly. I'm going to be, have a lot of holdings. I'm going to have a lot of positions in the market. I'll tell Mashiach, listen, Mashiach, I need a few weeks to settle out. I can't if I rush this everything off. Give me two, three months, and I come with you to Yerushalayim. You are going to come to Mashiach and say, Mashiach, let me clue you in. It's also a nice place, but Manhattan is where it's at. So we'll get you a place in Manhattan. Of course, you'll have an apartment in Chavi. That's of course. That, 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 you know, in German colony, we'll have an apartment for you. That, that's a, but 
You've got to be Manhattan. That, that's where things are. That, that's the, but that was the sense of it. So, so the, the, the wanting to be accepted by the Goyim, and, be, and that drove him to be like it. And Mimela, everything became bent to it. Mendelssohn was the beginning of it. It blossomed in the early 1800s into people that chucked everything out. The reform movement was, as opposed, for instance, to um, Germany, to, to, to Poland, where the socialist movement was probably the most dominant movement, where nobody bothered with the nonsense about a synagogue. You either daven, say daven, you didn't daven, you, you, you went to a local May Day parade. You, it wasn't, you didn't have this thing about the shul, it wasn't a big thing. In Hungary, Budapest, Prague, in, and, and in Germany, that was the mindset, to be like it. We suffered tremendously. I mean, the vast majority, by the mid-1800s, the Eden were assimilating at crazy rates, and there was almost nothing left. And there were a handful of people who actually began a process of rehabilitation to some degree, and what survived, the reason, the mile of it is, it's not just that, if you look at percentages, take Rishon for Hirsch, take everyone together, it didn't, the, the percentage that they quote-unquote saved wasn't tremendous, wasn't big. But it's like after a plague, the people who survived all have immunity, and they can pass on that immunity. They created something that was um, the ability to square off against the world outside and on their terms to answer back. Now, if somebody is driven to be accepted by society and to be a great guy, else, nothing's going to help. All, this, all of these discussions, the academic stuff, it's not going to help. If, you, if inside a person doesn't have a chiyas of Yiddishkeit, none of it is worth anything. What does help is somebody who has it but is very troubled. So, two. I would say, again, very broad strokes, two groups in Europe, um, in Germany, created an antidote to issues that could affect someone whose heart's in the right place, but is troubled. One is the scholarly this rebuttal of Yiddishkeit. The reform movement needed also yeshivas. They needed academic halls. They weren't going to learn Taisvis and the Rashbam that turned recessive. So they did research on, on proving that the Torah was put together through many, many places and, and, and sort of looking at it the way it looked like Ralph Abdullah's at some, at, at some other idea that evolved over time. It wasn't given by Kaddish Baruch Hu and, and so on. So there was one set. There was another set where Torah doesn't have any real spirit to it. Where's the message? Where is the divine inspiration? Where's the message for humanity, for, 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 for men? And that was the Shansha Fall Hirsch, who gave it that. So Berlin specifically developed a, a, um, an answer in terms of specific academic issues, and we'll see in a minute. And Frankfurt developed a, a, an answer in terms of the soul of Yiddishkeit 
it resonated with the soul of a modern person um, in a way that, that people, it's not only they found inspiration per se, they realized where it's in Yiddishkeit. So we're in Berlin today, and even though technically I asked uh, somebody if it's true, it says over here this is a rabbinic seminary, so he says, well, like everything else, it has a geschichte. It really is not. The rabbinic seminary is someplace else, it's, but they, they, they were allowed to rename this. So I'm not sure what, what that is. It doesn't make a difference, really. It's not the... So two people were instrumental with the big figures, and then there were quite a few others. So the rabbinic seminary was perhaps was an institution created by Israel Hildesheimer, um, maybe we'll speak about him later. I don't know, I know what the schedule is. And, and then later on, continue with David Hafmi. They created a, an institution that would produce Rabbanim specifically. There was a no-nonsense approach to halacha. There was study of other, of other academic areas associated, whatever was important. And it was probably the only Chulin Antares HaKodesh that existed, ever possibly. It, it's hard to imagine a place that has the Yekeshek Pedis on Halacha <coughs> together with an openness to other things. Um, and it had on its staff the, the best of from people like that. Erwin Weinberg, who was a, a huge Talmud Chacham in his own right, went to Slabotka, became Rosh Hashiva at the end. He was somebody who was um, a real Talmud Chacham by all standards, by Yeshiva standards, and yet took a tremendous liking to a lot of this. And, and his own works are, are scholarly in some ways and, and are broad and all-encompassing. Before him was somebody named Avram Eli Kaplan. Avram Eli Kaplan was the favorite Talmud of the Altus Labatka. He was an incredible genius, an inspired person, a person with tremendous vision, and went to be, became Rav in, 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 became head of the seminary, the seminary. He passed away suddenly as a young man, um, and it was a really, it was, it was, uh, it was devastating. And then Rabbi Yechel Weinberg took over. Rabbi Avram Kaplan has had a son who lived in Yerushalayim, Tzavi Kaplan, he used to daven by Rav Kustman, and um, it, it, he was, a, it was an incredible loss. And he, I, don't think, I don't know if we're going to escape or not. Are we going to see escape? Is escape around? Early. Okay, we'll, we'll see about that. I, um, so, I, so I want a little bit to, to discuss what they did, because I think this is, this is an important chapter in history that is glossed over because some of it's not comfortable for anybody. So it's, it's, uh, it's... The Rabbinic Seminar was an incredible institution. Did it produce Tamir HaChamim on par with the Litvisha? The answer is, of course, not. For many reasons. And it's Pashit. It does not replace Kamenitz. It does not replace Demir. No personal, uh, full disclosure. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't replace Demir. It doesn't replace Prisk. It's not that type of music. Is it an important? Yes. It, a, it produced Rabbanim Yerei Shemayim, who could pass the Shailas, take care of Kehillas, um, 
talk to people, deal with life issues. It, it's, there's no stira. Should a person be shakua in a Bechber's lambdas all day? Or should he be, or, or should he be giving a hersha on, on hot dogs? You need somebody for this, somebody for this. Is, is learning, is, is being able to reconcile um, Torah with critical analysis, Torah important? It's a very important piece of Torah. Is it the Torah morale? It's not the Torah morale. But, but that doesn't mean that it's not a critical piece. And it's another chelik Torah that because of the, because of the bad was the scholar. When people talk about it, I've heard people on both sides, you know, how can you say so there was a factor? It is what it was. It had in itself great scholars who did things that are very important. One has nothing to do with the other. Finding the right gears in the Gemara is very important. Is that the beetle learning? It's not. So it's like either or. Is our lungs more important to live or kidneys? It doesn't make a difference. The result is the same. It's just a question of, of the process of, of how you die. Each piece was critical. These Rabbanim were produced were Yerushalayim, Erlich, Tamich Hachamim, who provided Rabbanis with, under, under not easy circumstances. And, the, and, and it produced a certain genre of Torah that was of critical piece over here. Today, we take it for granted that even Oizvehada, that's a chsidish, a moisid, square chsidim, you know, and so on, when they produce something, they go through all the manuscripts, the girsos, they make a seder at the so and so forth. It didn't exist before. Um, and, and, and this was part of the piece. They had Professor Avram Berliner, who did a lot of history stuff, and, and he's, he was noted. And these were people that were respected by the academic world. They didn't like them, they, they held them to be fanatics. They were, depending on the. This, on your definition, either reform or fanatic, depending on, on, on which side you're looking from. But, they, they, but, but it was widely respected. The first one was Israel Hildesheimer. He found that he was a Rav, and he, he uh, actually um, came, he actually started a yeshiva in Hungary that had the Mudik Hall and things like that. And in Hungary, he got a lot of his snagdus fit. Even though it was well liked by everyone appreciated, he got a lot of his snagdus. He ended up coming to Germany and founded, founded the, 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 the bidding seminar, and he gave shu'urim, and so on and so forth. I want to look at a piece, a small, so now, yes. Yeah. Correct. So, it, but, but it's a truth, it is a truth. And the question is, if Rav Shanfal Hirsch wouldn't have to have to speak to people about, about things. So this is also, there are things there, it is an emis. Do, do we need, I don't know, it's like the Gemara says, if Kaisal wouldn't have been choyte, we'd have only Torah and Yeshua. We wouldn't have it on the view. So are they important, not important? Today, yes, it's important. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh, page 10. So page 10. Oh, thank you very much. Um, a big eshekayach to Tzviki for many things, but I sent him something that was, uh, it's hard to explain what it looked like when I sent it to Tzviki, and now it looks like this. So, okay. he, he, he formed, he didn't reform, he formed this, this pamphlet. <laughs> so, so, the, okay, let's take, this is, so, so Machon Yerushalayim, um, has put out, made a, they, they put out a lot of 
the, a lot of the Torah of these people. Most of Cook put out from from Rabbi This is this is taken from. It, 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 they they found Chitushim, put it out, and so on. They have a, a machon for Chachmei Ashkenaz, and this is included in it. So it's all sorts of bits and pieces. But there's one here particularly that struck my attention. I thought would be very interesting. Take a look on the left-hand column, Daf Chesam and Aleph. Um, so it's a very pshat-oriented safe in general, and the chidushim here are very pshat-focused. The Gemara says, "Olam Yashlim Adam and this is this is actually from this week's sedra. So we, we managed to uh, get locked out. It says the Gemara says a person should always learn Shlaim Mikra Vechatargum, Vafilo Atoris Vedivon. Even Atoris Vedivon, which there is no um, there is no comment on it in the Targum, you still have to um, you, you still have to say Shlaim Mikra Vechatargum. Now, Vafilo Atoris Vedivon. So this is a, from a letter that um, Rav Zil Hilsheim wrote to son in law now it was Why? The Pasik says was divin. What's he talking about? So the guy makes this hagar, this hara. What's the shot in the of the guy? The guy's diktuk is awesome. The hine kavarasa gemara, the chidushu, the Chiddush of the Gemara is that you're supposed to say Targum even if the Targum does not add anything or change anything. But that's not true. Over there, Targum says something. There's another Pasuk. The Chiddush says, V'yiv nevchulo esdivon v'satoros. V'yishom b'mem b'mes einen b'yashmiyos. Over the time, it doesn't change anything. So it's incredible. The Goyen, in two words, and he understood, it's incredible. It just, it, it's, it's like you say, well, I mean, it, it makes you, I, I occasionally in Shir, um, you know, we do a Goyen in Shavaruch, we'll, we'll use, and it's incredible how, how much the Goyen puts into a Vitzach Leimah. So, it's exactly what it means. The Pasuk of Atoris Vidivon doesn't say anything special. The Targum does say something special, so of course it's a Targum. Divon Vatoris is um, the Pasuk where the Targum doesn't change anything. That's later on in the parish, and that's where it's, that's, I just wanted to say it over. It's a, it's a Dova Niflat Moid. It's, it's the fact that he understood the Goyim and, 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 and so on. It's, it's really incredible. That's one point. I know, no, here in Minsky that somebody, somebody who, you know, Sajam Rev, listen, many people could dash into it a lot more on Sister than this. I, I don't know how people could pick up on this. Uh, the Goyen for sure, and that he, that he understood the Goyen, but, but it's, that, that's Rev Zilpha's He was followed by Abdovitzvi Hafmin. Abdovitzvi Hafmin. Um, lived at the time, and, and he undertook a rebuttal to the biblical criticism. 
Now, um, biblical criticism was a doctrine that the Torah was a, a, a patched up document from many, many, you know, things that had sort of come up and people put it together. It was genuine apicarsis, it, it was denying Torah and Shemayim, and that was the, that was the, that was the Metzius of, have you had some tea or, or can we, 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 we don't want to be mocked in Kona Leveshet. The, the shear before the eating is, is, uh, what? They're packed up for you. Okay. So, so you feel good. You feel satisfied with the packing. That's okay. So, so, so the, the, um, so, so the, 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 and somebody, Wellhausen was the Avia verse of it. Basically, what it did was it looked at Torah as being, um, what's the right word for it? Legends, stories, all sorts of stuff that had been patched together. And just go through it. And if you use academic tools, such as finding words, phrases, missing things, and so forth, you can put together where it came from. That was the, the, the theory, document hypothesis, and that, that was the basis that allowed you to be kaifer without any guilty feelings. It basically allowed you to say that, yes, these are our stories and legends, they're wonderful, they're great, they're fantastic, but the Torah that we have is just a patch up thing. That was the, 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 the they certainly, so, so this was something that was very appealing. I, I got, about a few months ago, I got an email from some uh, Muslim sheikh, I'm not sure I'm on his email list, but it says, Dear Rabbi, because of your extensive knowledge of the um, book, I need some help and insight. I didn't have time as a huge arichas proving that Hagar was really, Hagar was never driven away with Ishmael. The whole, the whole Muslim shita proving by comparing psukim and things, I, I had no patience for it. And I, I hope someone else did the, the, the answering, or maybe nobody did it, make a difference. But, but the, the point was to address that. So there were two parts to it. One, Torah itself. Two, certainly Torah Shabal Peh is something that is not Minashamayim, and that was the night. And but mainly all of Torah, so the, the, the studying in yeshivas in, in, or in their academic centers was understanding how the Torah developed, understanding the development of the rituals, the way Lab of Abdullah, an anthropologist, would sit down with a tribe in Africa and ask, how is it that they decided that, I don't know, the, the, the bees are the gods? And they'll try to figure out why honey was important. That was the attitude and so on. He decided, so Reb Dotsi often wrote on almost all of Chumash. Taking, now, if you take a look at the Psukim in Chumash, they really are chopped up. They really, it's, it's, it doesn't flow. It, it, there are half Psukim, there are double parishes, there, there, there are all sorts of things. And he, and he examines each Pasuk, the words used, the, the missing pieces comparing to other places and showing how all of it comes together when you put Tayyar Shabal Peh in place. It's incredible. 
It's called David Svi, it's called David Svi Al-Chomish. Mosadav Cooks put it out. I heard this reprinted it. And Vayikra obviously is, is the, the most important one. And this is where the Sakdam is from, because Vayikra has all these halachas and, and karbanis. Um, but, but, and all of Chomish. Now, his attitude, in other words, his attitude, I would say his, he writes it the way an academic scholar would write. Even killed, monotone, dry, scientific. Somebody wrote about him, somebody who was less from them wrote, he said, you might even be fooled into thinking that he was actually entertaining other pshat. But, but that's what it is. He, he's, he's, he's 100% on their terms. Not in, do you never get any type of, well, how could you say this? You think you knew better than Rishonim? Nothing like that. He, it's on their terms. And he writes, so we'll stop. I don't know what the schedule is. What, um, where is he? Yaakov? Ellie, where's the, what's the, where are we? I believe it's 1045. 1045, Yekish time? Or, or, uh, <laughs> 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 or, or not Pinklich? Um, we have, there's a boy here. He'll, he'll be joining us later. He's of Hungarian stamm, and he's Hungarian, but he's been living in Germany for a long time, and he's actually attended a school here. So I always ask him in yeshiva if he's coming on Hungarian time or German time. Like, hey, which part of him is it? So let's take a look at this, the, 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 um, the first piece. And, and this is a David Zvi Hafman's introduction to his, his Vayikra. It's like we said before, um, it's like we said before, he writes it as if he's expected, in, in, his, in his writing itself, it's as dry, detached, and academic as any type of his writing is as dry, detached, academic as any other writing you would see. You, you, and like the person writes about him, you would expect that he would entertain a different sad as well. So just the beginning of his Hakdama in Ayikra. Kol Yehudi Abolivarist Taras Moshe, Mechuyel is Hashem of Naim Yuchot, Shemuch Lashbiakamav Piuloi. Kiilu is a Naim Machtavloi, Kukan Pashanosa. Every Jew that's coming to explain the Torah must take an axiom that will be the underpinnings of everything he says, and it's as if this dictates. Tanai zehu, this condition is, emunusenu belakusa Our belief in the divinity of Klaiusos Messeris. Hayadus hamitis Judaism gives the same truth value to contains understandings in and other also. Nimtsinu lemedim, so that means rak b'mekoymois nedirim mutladav v'savik osim tzarseinu. In very few places are we really left in doubt as to what Hashem wants from us. I want to explain this point, and 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 how to understand it. L'shitosa, 
again, we said it was very important for him to understand and to, to put this into place. Let's give an example. I, I, uh, I receive a letter from somebody and the, person, and the person writes in the letter silly stuff kind of, just uh, kind of odds and ends. A person sitting next to me reads a letter, he has no idea who wrote the letter, and he says, I guess this person that wrote the letter is not very bright. Letter number one. Letter number two. A person writes, well, if you ask, then the answer is, of course, I'll do it, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth. Letter number three is, Aunt Sally came to visit yesterday, and she, and she was in the following boat, and so on and so forth. A stranger looks at it, and he rightfully concludes. The first person is silly, the second person said he's agreeing to whatever it is, and the third person is writing about his Aunt Sally who came to visit. Letter, that's what the letter reads like. A person who knows the people writing the letter says, one second. This first person who wrote the letter is a very smart person. And, and this, he, he means something, he wants something with it. It's not, it's not what it sounds like. This person is very smart, very calculated, and so on and so forth. The second person wrote, if you ask for it, then definitely I'll, I'll accommodate you and so on. What he's saying is I don't want to. But he said, I will. No, but he said, because you asked for it. It's a polite way of saying you insisted on it. The third letter about Aunt Sally is written by our spy in England or Germany, and it means that a certain important general arrived in a certain ship on a certain place. So the person who's the outsider will say, ah, you're reading into it. True, if I didn't know who was writing it, but if I know the person who's writing it, then I have to, I have to read it the way he's reading it. A, it, it, so when a person writes, since you asked for it, I'll accommodate you, knowing the person, it's his way of saying, I really don't want to do it, and I appreciate it if you let go, but I have no choice but to do it. So what does it mean? So if you're coming as an outsider, without any preconception of the person, of course. So if Torah starts with the words written on it, you can read whatever you want into it. But if we understand it was given Kaddish Baruch with the Torah Shabbat Peh, so that's how we look at it. So, so to say that, that it, 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 it's exactly what he's saying over here. We also freely examine it, but we have to, we know, we know what's behind it. So now we have to look at it. It's like someone asks you how much, you know, how much can be medayik. We're going to be learning about Basa next month. There's Rashi and there's Rashbam. And it stops the middle of Hasabatim and it becomes the Rashbam. Rashi stops writing and Rashbam starts. There's a world of difference how they're written. You can see the same, the, the same Diver Maskell that he explains, Rashram is more lengthy. You can't be Madaiq a letter and a word because I didn't mean it that way. Rashram was user-friendly. So he brought down the whole Gemara and just snapped. Rashi was a lot more Mikatsa. And therefore, knowing and understanding. So if a person, when a person walks over to the Sefer Torah, if the person is walking over and he says, I'm removing preconditions, then he's destroying Torah. Because that's not the Amos of Torah. The Amos of Torah was given by Kaddish Baruch Hu, together with the Torah of Peh. Mitzvah of Pirusha. And that's the only, if you want to understand Torah, that's the only to do it. And that's what he says here. So he's basically saying, yes, of course I'll explain it in line with Torah of Peh. Because that's the Amos of Torah. And we'll see later, maybe we'll have somehow later we'll learn an understanding of how he, he, he juggles that. Because sometimes they almost contradict each other. Here it says Arboim, here it says Shlesh Metesha. You know, it says Arboim Yakenon, and we know 39. It's putting it together that gives us the emissary.
So I guess we'll just sum up. Um, so, so this Kufa, so like we said, we're going, for those who came late, we're going in reverse order of history. German Jewry history started with Shum, Kilo Shum, which we'll see last. And that's where the early Rishonim, who in many ways were the foundation of Torah, lived. It, it then moved on to Frankfurt. To, there was the Marilist Kufa, which was also Kilo Shum. There was Frankfurt, which was the Irvein Yisrael for quite a few generations, with its own extraordinary history in Gedolim. Um, we then, it, it, Berlin and then Frankfurt in the later Kufas um, with, with Rishon Hirsch. Berlin was where Torah took a devastating blow. We, we are in the place, or sort of the memorial place, of the people who fought back and came up with things that are now a permanent part of our Torah. The Rabbinic Seminary is founded by Rabbi Hildesheimer, Dorothy Hoffman, Rabbi Meli Kaplan, Rabbi Weinberg. And these, so these were two examples from them. And to them, thanks to them, Torah became viable even in an environment that contested it so strongly with such powerful attacks and, 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 and such a powerful force. It gave us uh, um, the walls that needed to, to hold up against, against those forces. Okay. <laughs> Yeah.